Welcome to Screen Actors Guild, where we explore Oscar-winning actors and the embarrassing films they'd rather forget. I am your host, Michelle, the one with the vinyl boots permanently fused to my feet and legs. And I'm Henry, the one with the completely anachronistic frosted tips. <laughs> uh, this was a watch. How? Yep, this, uh, I'm, I'm glad you made me watch this. Uh... I'm going to so, let you so talking... guess how many times I've seen this movie now. Because right. uh, I pluralized just it. Based on, based on what I know about you and what I know about this movie, uh, six? Not that many. I've seen it three times, though. Three? Okay. Three times. All right. Three, three actually feels like a low number, I know. given sort of where this movie occupies in the zeitgeist. That's true. And it's going to be more, because I need more people to know about it. <laughs> I watched it yeah. <laughs> like seven years ago when my friend Bryce introduced it to a bad movie night. And then I made Jesse watch it with me a couple of years ago. Uh, we'll get It's to an the... experience. It is something a... worth experiencing in some opinions. This opinion for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, it could also be a mo- uh, uh, It could qualify for this for like five different actors. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so so we're talking Bullock yeah. today, right? We're talking about uh, Dame Sandra Bullock. Sandra the B. Oscar, the Oscar-winning, Sandra Bullock, the Oscar-winning, Academy Award-winning <laughs> actress Sandra Bullock, yes. who won an Academy Award for acting. Yeah. Uh, for Speed, right, I, if I'm not mistaken? Or was yeah, it for Speed. speed. No, it was for The Net. <laughs> she won it for The Net. The Net. Uh, the... There's Miss Congeniality 5 she won it for. Uh, no, she won uh, the best actress in the world. She won the Oscar for the best actress in the world for The Blind Side, where she played blonde. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, it, she's a fine actress. She's a fine actress. She, uh, she's, she's America's she's, sweetheart. Yeah, she, you know, I'll give her, I'll give her this. She gives it her all. In every movie she does, mm-hmm. I think her all is like seventy percent generally. But like she, she com- she commits kind of. Yeah. And and I, I think that it. I is, don't disrespect her for it. Yeah, you know, it's mostly it's one of those weird things where when you say Oscar-winning actress Sandra Bullock, it makes you take pause and be like, did I Google mm-hmm. that wrong? No. Mm-hmm. I saw mm-hmm. it. I saw her accept the award. Yep. I'm not trying to take it away from her necessarily. I would have been more on board with her maybe winning for something like Gravity. Like more yeah. of a movie that was a little less white savory. But mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. the same time, you know, I can't remember who Oscars. she was like, up against. Like, it's the Oscars. <laughs> at a certain point, who cares? And also, like, they, I don't know. They give awards. They, ha- they It's like in their contract to give an Oscar to a white savior movie like every three years yeah. and then spend the next two years making up for it. <laughs> yeah, and we, d- we already did Green Book, so now we got our like have a couple years. Exactly, we got a couple of years. That's what, right. <laughs> yeah. We had uh, fucking Parasite, right? Uh-huh. Like, we're, And we've got maybe one more. Uh, yeah, it, I just feel like she won an Oscar by attrition. It's like she's yeah. just, she's been an actress for a long time. Yeah. We we keep putting her in these garbage movies. She's probably not quite punching her weight in terms of like the the level of talent that she has, but also it's just hard to buy her as like 
gravitas. I don't know. All it's, it's, I feel you know, weird talking. You know what it is? It's like the Julia Roberts thing, right? Where you mm-hmm. watch someone be in a rom-com, only a rom-com, with a couple little excursions into like tr- you know crime dramas or whatever here and there, but you really just watch like a kind of one-trick pony all of a sudden like go into this new weird avenue and be an Oscar winner, and it's it doesn't have sticking power. Like I don't think she's right. like gonna start being an indie flick. She's just gonna keep being Sandra Bullock, and I think that was sort of like a weird little. I sound like I'm hating on Sandra Bullock. I'm totally not. I actually love her, but she is maybe not the most Oscar. Worthy of people in the popular zeitgeist. I am openly hating on Sandra Bullock. I you're uh, openly what? You know, I'm openly hating on Sandra Bullock. I, I, and maybe it's just because of this this movie here, Uh, (laughs) and 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 how much I deeply, physically, viscerally loathed every every fucking twitch of hers in this movie. I don't think, she, I mean, like, she clearly has something that has kept her a famous person in movies for a long time, and I give her credit for that. But yeah, you're right. Like, this was sort of a, a case of she got an Oscar for, like, not, for being in a different type of movie, yeah. which is not a success inherently, no. right? Like, that's just, that's almost it's just like somebody a casting, casting in a different success. movie. That's sort of like a, like her agent gets, like, a thumbs up ski. Right. Like, compare that to, like, Monster, where it's like, Nobody knew Charlize Theron had it in her, and it turns out she's a fucking genius. Yep. Like, this is, a, this is a different contrast. But anyway, we're not talking about Monster. <laughs> we're not talking about Blindside. We're not talking about Miss Congeniality 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. We're talking about all about Steve. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about all about Steve. We're talking about a movie that no one knows about, um, probably <laughs> because it has a 6% on Rotten Tomatoes. And Feels no about right. and. The, the weird thing is you want to think that no one saw it and that it lost a lot of money because it's like categorically uh, been touted as her, not touted, it's the opposite of touted. She's, it's been said that it, this is like her worst movie. Um, but it actually made a lot of money. It was made on $15 million and then box office $40 million. Wow. So it like right. did quite well. I think all the star power just overwhelmed people or like one guy saw it a billion times because she's <laughs> <laughs> so somebody who loves Thomas Hayden Church. Mm-hmm. I it doesn't shock me that this made money. I I hated it. I loathed it. I loved it. But I it, loved it, it. It was the yeah, It doesn't shock It was so yeah. fucking entertaining. It was the worst movie. And I would watch it like tomorrow. <laughs> it's yeah, I I found this to be among the more objectionable movies that we have watched. Mm. And <laughs> and it did it did grow on me, which I feel weird saying. Like I'm pleased my to first, hear this, Henry. My first hour watch for this movie was just pure bile for me. Like how much and, so did I you call, like twitch around in your seat and like get up and sit down because you're so upset? So I paused it a lot of times to check how much time had elapsed in the movie because I was hoping it had been more than than what actually elapsed. Like, the first 45 minutes to an hour of this movie feel like five fucking hours of, like, a slapstick comedy, but somehow just, like, gratingly nails on a chalkboard obnoxiousness. Uh, And you got to lay a lot of it at the red patent leather feet 
of Sandra Bullock, who... I, what's the opposite of brings it in something? I mean, she takes it in this movie. Like, the, there's a... There's a fucking black hole at the heart of this movie, and it is the star of the movie, Sandra Bullock. I would watch almost any... Like, I could imagine this character sort of being watchable. But something about her execution of it just makes... It's like a Matryoshka dolls of horror. I... How yeah, would you I just loathe it. characterize... The character she plays is Mary Horowitz who is a, what is it? It's a crypto-verbalist or something? It's a, no, that's not what it is. It's a... One of her, one of her infinite vocabulary words in this movie. Yeah, whatever. She's, she makes crossword puzzles. And yeah. her character is... Here's what I think they thought they were making when they made this movie. I think that they thought <laughs> that she was, the words quirky and eccentric come mm-hmm. to mind. Um, mm-hmm. A little pathetic because she's living with her parents and they're trying to set her up on blind dates in her 40s. Like she's a 40-something-year-old mm-hmm. woman. All her parents want is to get her out of the house. She's a chatterbox. That's, I think, mm-hmm. where they thought... I think it was like cute, endearing, quirky, weird. But in the end, you realize that it takes all it takes all kinds, right? Like, isn't that kind of I think that is, where they the, were going? That people should just... Yeah, that people should just be themselves. Yeah. And this this sort of uh, sort of conventionally unappealing person uh, should be loved for who they are. Mm-hmm. And the 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 flaw in that is that this person should not be loved for who she is. No. She is horrible. <laughs> yeah. And I hate her. Uh, <laughs> she's also scary. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's not like a quirky goofball like early Courtney Cox or like Zoe Deschanel character no. like she is she is a person who needs to be heavily medicated restrained like yes. restrained from and like, taken out of society I would argue yes yes <laughs> yeah. save from herself yeah. she's gonna harm herself and others she will I, harm herself there are examples of her almost harming herself in the first like 10 seconds of this movie she just trips over her own feet she's constantly falling on things she's diving in front of uh like she snack trucks. almost w- walks in front of two major gigantic cdl license requiring vehicles <laughs> she chases newspapers in front of a bus as it pulls up and then she jumps in front of a trucker yes like she almost got killed by two huge vehicles, which would have been like that would, a godsend, a, a cool twist. <laughs> yeah, because then I mean, what would the rest of the movie be about? Bradley Cooper just what, enjoying his life. What I would like is if it was treated like Doctor Who, and every time she dies, you bring back a different actor to play her. Because one of those days, you will settle on a performer that can sell this role, but it is not Mrs. Sandra Bullock. <laughs> Esquire. Do you want to know why it had to be Sandra Bullock? Because she produced it? Yeah. I didn't know that until like two minutes before we recorded when I watched this like (laughs) press junket of her describing stuff about the movie. And obviously she cast herself. I'm like, I'm sorry. She produced this movie? (laughs) Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So... So we should we should talk about what this movie's about yeah. before we oh, talk yeah. about it's every gonna take miles of talking instance. though because the the plot of this movie is like a Mad Lib with infinite <laughs> adjectives and nouns. Yep. So, so like Michelle said, Sandra Bullock uh, writes crosswords for a small town, a quote unquote small town newspaper in Sacramento, California. Sacramento not a B. small town. 
a a significant <laughs> American city. The capital um, of our uh, capital of our state. Yep, yep, of your your state. Thank My you. state, uh, sir. I grew up, I grew up there. I chose to move. Uh, the, and she is a psychopath, uh, but you don't know it at the very beginning. Uh, she gets set up on a blind date with Bradley Cooper, who the By movie is just trying to sell really hard that he's gay. Uh, he's, he's there's no indication of the rest of the movie, but they're really setting it up that way. Uh, she uh, and within like moments of the date. She jumps his bones in a van the, in front of her parents' the house. The only way to describe what she does is jump his bones. I wrote it down, yes. and I was like, I don't remember this phrase being used in my vocabulary in like a decade, and it's like the only thing that can describe what that was. She's in a car. Yeah. She lunges at him. She's blocked by her seatbelt and choked by her seatbelt. She seat chokes belt, herself. Mm-hmm. And then she hurls her body on top of his body and proceeds to give him like an encyclopedic breakdown of, and like a... Of, of his his name and her name origins and things about them that she they both have in common and she's it's just rolling bladder she, bring, that, she brings that the does, crazy pretty fast and hard yeah and that does not distinguish it from any other part of the movie she is a like just a rolling monologue throughout this movie of just the most unlistenable blather this like <laughs> this grating pablo very kind of rain so nanny she, like uh just straight, oh absolutely straight off, straight off the page reading like dictionary definitions of things and like the mechanical explanations of how different like things work that's where and she's at. and that's sort of like casually sort of tangentially explained that like oh she does crossword puzzles so she has to know everything but we don't need any of that uh so she she jumps bradley cooper's bones he gets freaked out understandably because she's horrible (laughs) makes an excuse to leave uh she like in her just doo-doo crazy head uh decides that she should Make a crossword puzzle that is all about Steve. Yeah. That's just like the color of Steve's eyes and what the is, taste of Steve's lips. Yeah, what his lips taste like? What his lips taste like? And it gets her fired from her local Sacramento then newspaper. Actually, like a lot of details that she shouldn't have had access to, like where he went. It's to a full crossword puzzle. Yeah, it's for a crossword puzzle. She has so many other details about his life. All she has had access to is a five-minute briefing on what his mouth tastes like and what scraps of paper she could like squirrel away in his car. <laughs> that's that's true. Although I so what that we should. She did get, a deep Google. She Googled she did a deep Google, deep. and I. I also assume that some of this came from her parents or his parents because they set them up. So did she like? True. Did she Fair. have to get her parents to like? call Bradley Cooper's parents over and over again to be like, hey, where did Bradley Cooper go to college? Hey, what, uh, you know, was Bradley Cooper circumcised? And just like it's over and over again. Based on how like exuberant her parents were about her just leaving the house for an hour, I think they would have been willing to give her any amount of information on this man to get her to pursue him further. At, yeah, anything to get this person away from you. Uh, it's it's shocking that there's a single character, a single human, breathing human being in this movie that isn't just constantly sprinting away from her. Well, those are her uh, biological parents. They have, like, some kind of weird, like, they are the only ones that stick by her willingly until about, like, the third act. Right, until DJ Qualls. Until DJ Qualls. Uh, bless his little heart. Yeah, and his tiny little face. Uh so then she she decides that the universe is telling her uh, that she should go after Bradley Cooper, who is a cameraman for sort of a CNN stand-in, and uh, 
and then she just follows him from major news or like minor news site to minor news site uh after the first time where she figures out based on some clue i don't remember where he's going uh, news anchor Thomas Hayden Church gets her to follow them because he thinks it's going to be good news, I think. I uh, am or just... so unclear on his motivation. It's the <laughs> it's biggest mystery a... of this movie. Is he just a bully? Or is, is he... he... Just... There's a chance. Is he entertained? Is this, a, is this a Thomas Hayden choice? Like, I just don't even know. Yeah, I... Yeah, that's because she's a good following question. this guy. She finds out that he's going to Boston while they're like, while she's basically dry humping him in the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, he kind of pulls the like, "Whoops, I gotta go. Too bad you got a job tying you down, and you can't come with me. Get me the fuck out of here." And then he yep. bails, and she finds him. Uh, and then she just keeps finding him. Right, goes to God. There's so many horrible things. So there's a like crazed gunman at a Wild West show yeah and that's really Uh, early and like that's not the craziest thing right that's the first one right and Uh then uh then goes to galveston i don't remember where it is but i remember what it is oh no it's it's not galveston okay so it's the uh it's in oklahoma Mm -hmm. and there's a uh a three-legged baby peggy uh, that yep that is uh, there's a dispute over whether the baby's third leg is going to be amputated. Uh, yes. and, that, and we can talk about that. But let's just get through the We're fucking synopsis of this goddamn later. horrible movie. <laughs> then then I she think follows him. you mean wonderful him. romp. Oh, God. I really, uh, the, I really love... The skin-crawling torture porn. I, uh, I'm uh, experiencing so much joy with the amount of recoiling <laughs> that this movie has caused you. And it's just... Keep going, keep going. I don't the movie, want to interrupt your the flow. movie's got some. It's got it's got some skills. There's some things I like about it, but mostly I loathe it. Uh, then she goes to to Galveston uh, because they're reporting on a hurricane, hurricane. plus tornado plus cicada. In fact, like those were separate bloom. events. It was a hurricane, yep. and then there was another thing where it was the confluence of tornado and cicada migration, which would result mm-hmm. in a tornado of bugs. <laughs> which you do get uh you'd get it and then and then there's a sinkhole in colorado that she goes to and that's like the climax of the movie where she falls into the sinkhole and then america comes together for their love of this absolute monstrosity of a person <laughs> uh and that's and then the movie's over and it's uh, and it's the happiest i felt in weeks man's uh, um Okay, here's a question. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it was part of her decision as an actress to like kind of play like she was on the spectrum? Or was that not intentional and that's just me reading things into it that was not supposed to be in the movie? Cause it's... Oh, I think if there's... Yeah, my, my interpretation of this movie is if there's anything that might be objectionable, it is an intentional choice. There's a lot of shit in here that is just deeply problematic. And, oh, yeah. And the, like, uh, the sort of incessant wailing on a, a neurodivergent person feels about right. Uh, this movie hates yeah, its yeah. I mean, character, I, like, so much. And so do I, uh, frankly. What, what's I, funny, though, is she's, like, like, it makes sense that you hate her and that I hate her and that America hates her, but, like... <laughs> 
and that Steve hates her, but the movie should like her because she's narrating it at times for some reason, and at times not. Sometimes the narration drops out for 45 minutes and then just reappears <laughs> for no reason. But, like, yep. when someone's a narrating, like, hero of a film, it seems like they shouldn't be punished and made fun of as much as they are in this movie. It's so unlovingly, like, crafted that it just seems kind of like... <laughs> Like someone did it to Sandra Bullock, but no, because Sandra Bullock did it to Sandra Bullock. She helped produce this movie. Yeah, what it feels it like she had to. It feels like she had to make this movie on a dare, right? Like everything about it. You're right. Every scene in this movie until the very end, uh, save like two clearly deranged individuals, just absolutely recoil at her, which is appropriate <laughs> because she's horrible. The there, what, there are some moments that made me smile in this movie, and the first true, I guess the first two moments that make me smile are both people being really mean to her. The one when she's at career day, and the kids start <laughs> aggressively questioning her career and asking her how she pays her Why rent. Why don't you have a husband? Uh, yeah, I, I really do like when children are aggressive to adults in movies. It's I like, like it's, it a real, it's a real plus for me. And then when she's talking incessantly on the bus uh, on the way to the like wild west shootout yeah, place the best uh, i up. yeah uh i was so just it was so grating her monologue uh and then they like the sort of the bus driver tricks she her off the bus she was just defining words she was just on the bus talking to someone not making eye contact with her basically just like running down a list of things in an encyclopedia and explaining how they were pronounced what they did how they were connected to a different word it was very like I mean, free association. Yeah, like who wouldn't leave her at a bus stop? It, it all checks out. Yeah. Ooh, Fontana, California. You, you know what they make there? No? No, they make, they make steel. Yeah. You know how they make it? No? I won't bore you with the whole story, just the, just the best parts, like, like how it's made from uh, molten pig iron, which, <laughs> which does not, as everyone might think, have anything to do with pigs or swine or hogs. <laughs> it's, it's a raw iron made from iron and coke. And by coke, I mean the uh, carbonaceous residue, not, not the cola or the booger sugar. <laughs> it's, it's a method perfected by Sir Henry Bessemer of Britain. Oh, and Bessemer is also a town in Alabama. Yay! Yeah, and when the, the passengers applaud when they drive away without her, yeah. uh, that did, that got to me. It's... I liked that. That felt right. Yeah, the, okay, I think the weirdest part of this movie is that you can tell by like the music choices and the actors in it because it couldn't be filled with more like star power for what it is mm -hmm. and for its small budget too, 15 mil and they have all these people mm -hmm. in it. That's like impressive. Um, people were owing some favors to other people. Yeah, and the soundtrack, <laughs> the soundtrack's solid. Like, yeah. they've got real big movie, big, big songs in this movie. It, the tone real. and like the, the sort of like, the idea that you get based on watching a trailer or just the first couple of minutes is that you're going to watch this quirky romp that is about an eccentric woman who eventually finds love, we, we assume. Mm -hmm. And the rift, the, despair, the disconnect between what it thinks it is and then what you fucking watch is so vast and baffling mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that, like... Your reaction and my reaction couldn't be more opposite. I was glued to the screen. Could not get enough of un trying to just unravel whatever the fuck this puzzle was. Like, I don't get it. I don't get it again. I don't get that. 
that choice is confusing. That guy's in it. Whoops, that guy's in it too. I can't stop watching it, but it doesn't. I made Jesse watch it a couple years yeah, ago. I mean, we, and his thoughts we should. on it were that he, I believe he said it was a chemical fire of crazy decisions. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> and that's like the best way I can describe what this movie is because it is technically a movie, but it's like a movie where every time someone in the writer's room was forced to make like a choice, someone had to snort a line of cocaine and then someone else just yelled a bunch of words out and it became a word <laughs> salad. It's a jambalaya of choices and nouns. <laughs> yep. Uh, God, it is... That's totally right. Uh, chemical, chemical fire of bad choices is absolutely right. We should talk about the embarrassment of riches of actors in this movie because it is yeah it is outrageous so how many high quality performers they got to be in this garbage fire. So, oh, so, so you have Oscar winning actress Sandra Bullock, you have Oscar winning actor Thomas Hayden Church, yep. you have Oscar nominated, nominated actor Bradley actor Cooper. Bradley Cooper. Uh, you have you got Kent and no, let's just go down the line. Yep. You have, uh, Who had Keith, just been uh, in The Hangover with Bradley Cooper like like yesterday before this movie was made? Like Ken Jeong and Bradley Cooper yeah. had just made like uh, a blockbuster and then they made this. Right. You have you have uh, Keith David, who's just like a fucking like solid character actor in everything. Uh, you have Hari Kondabolu for like a half a second. Uh, yeah, he's in a he's in a limo. Oh, okay. I didn't remember that. I'm pretty sure that's Hari Kondabolu. Uh, You've got the the, girl, really... the woman from Eastbound and Down is in it. She was, I think, kind of just getting a little stardom at that point. You have right. DJ Qualls. You have DJ Qualls, <laughs> yeah, who's right, just riding that Euro trip fame. Yeah. Uh, you have you have like these weird like like sort of quasi cameos. Yeah. Uh, fucking Jordan Morris is in this. Somehow, uh, who is George? The Morris? like, he's a f- one of the founders of Maximum Fun. Okay, got it. It's just like random, weird. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that that movie. I mean, did everyone get paid a dollar? Jason was Jones it, was this community service for all of these actors. Did they all like do a crime together a year? Or did they witness a murder? Yeah. <laughs> I think it they did crimes. In, it feels entirely plausible. Uh, there's also one, and for like 15 seconds, one of the women that's in like every Judd Apatow movie. Oh, the uh, the woman who uh, Thomas Hayden Church pats on the head when she says she's going to go exactly. practice her flute. Yep. Yeah. Correct. That was actually, I like all the throwaway characters. She's just in it for a second wearing a big it is fuzzy Hari orange Bolu. hat. Yes. And he goes to invite Sandra Bullock back to the media tent, and she mistakenly thinks it's her. And this girl just goes, oh, no, I can't. I have flute practice. And he just pats her uh-huh. on the head like a dog, and she walks away. And I enjoyed that moment a lot. Yeah. There, it's the little so here's stuff. The thing. There's, a lot of, there's a lot of great Thomas Hayden Church moments. It's a little the, shit. I loved you... Thomas Hayden Church in this movie, though. Yeah, because he, if you just like, he basically decided he wanted if, to just be Geraldo Rivera, and who's also in the movie? Who is also in the movie? <laughs> if as himself. Uh, oh my god! Oh my yeah, god! Oh my god! If oh my you god. like, Bradley Cooper auditioned can't... for this movie. What? 
Absolutely not. Yes, he did. No. Yes, he no did. Yes, fucking he did. Way. Yes, he did. I heard it from the horse's mouth. I was watching interviews right before we, right before we recorded, and the uh, Phil Trail, the director of this fucking thing, said that when they were casting Tom uh, Bradley Cooper, didn't just automatically get it. He had to audition for it, and then went through the process and they picked him out like after reviewing the tape like they had to like still go back and review he was not a shoe in he was up against other people he fought for it do we know who else was considered for this movie that's that's wild that's shocking and he was just in like it bears repeating that he was just in the hangover like he was a very marketable blockbuster comedy actor in 2010 and he had to audition for this movie that i bet he wishes he could wipe from his resume hold on uh i just stumbled across and this was not a feature that i was aware of in imdb of plot keywords uh what I, I, I didn't know this was a thing, oh, dude, but I'm gonna read. Me. I'm gonna read some of the plot keywords. I can't <laughs> the wait. All about Steve. I can't wait. Uh, Asperger's syndrome. Yeah. Woman initiating sex. Interrupted sex. <laughs> smart girl. Premarital sex. Girl stripped down to bra. Oh my Casual God. sex. Cameraman. Jewish. <laughs> wait. Deaf child. Wait, wait, what? Mini was, did skirt you with say, boots. Did you say deaf child? Deaf oh, child. Oh, deaf, deaf. Yeah, of course. Uh, sex interrupted by telephone. <laughs> Obscene finger gesture. <laughs> Adult lives at home. Yeah. Uh, heavy petting. <laughs> Fully clothed oh sex. God. only watched 30 seconds of this movie and was just typing at a fever pitch trying to get all his thoughts out. (laughs) (laughs) Human deformity. That is the last last one worth. Okay, yeah. Fair. Noting. Fair. Yep. Keep the leg. We're going to have to look at this for every movie from now on. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Not just keep the leg. Don't make us beg. Keep the leg. I was uh, trying to figure out what they were saying. I should have chose to uh, turn closed captioning on. Oh, for you don't have closed captioning on for every I, movie I we do this do. with? I usually do. And this one, I was like, I'm going to treat myself. I already know what happens. I'm just going to enjoy it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we got to this because of Thomas Hayden Church, right? Thomas Hayden Church is, if you could just like like scalpel every Tom and Satan Church scene out of this movie and just have it as, like, one flowing movie and create some other backstory to make it work, I would want... This would be my favorite movie. He's a great character. I love Thomas Satan Church in this movie. Oh, yeah. He's, he's a conceited he's just the scenery. There's, like, a scene in the background that's not even really, like... It's not even a thing you're supposed to be focusing on where he's watching himself. Like, he's watching, like, like the footage of him doing a bunch of takes of him, like, reporting, and he's just in the background with his laptop, lovingly watching himself, kind of, like, minorly mm-hmm. lip-syncing his own words and just smiling, like, oh, that's the best thing in this scene right now. And Love he has him. these, he has these, like, caveman facial expressions that he trots out over and over again, and he's like, I don't know if he's always built this way, but he's built, like, Ben Grimm's The Thing in this movie. He's just this, like, <laughs> hulking massive man, and he's Swarthy. so goofy, Throughout, he's just like one 
one bizarre, swarthy, uh, like, braggadocio bravado fest after another. I just love it. I eat it with so a fucking tan. wooden spoon. So it's tan great. and so many highlights. So tan. There are a lot of highlights in this movie. I wonder if that was part of the $15 million budget. It was a big slice. Yeah, every act. It's, it's so anachronistic. There's so many frosted tips. So much highlight for 2009. 2009, yeah. Sandra Bullock has, like, what I, what I would argue... In certain light and certain wind conditions is like an arguable mullet. And then Bradley mm-hmm. Cooper has frosted tips. Uh, we've got like poor man Geraldo Rivera with his heavily highlighted quaff. And then we've got actual Geraldo Rivera with whatever he's working with. It's, it's a lot. It's fun. They also, they also use Geraldo Rivera as an insult in the movie oh, yeah, that's that true. includes Geraldo Rivera, Ken Jeong calls Bradley Cooper Geraldo Rivera because of a bad wig he's wearing. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. I do like any chance to be mean to Geraldo Rivera is works for me. Absolutely. Uh, um, so, yeah. The director only made one other movie, Chalet. Is that right? Chalet Girl. This was his first and second to last movie. I can't imagine why. <laughs> <laughs> Although I just can't blame I can't put the blame squarely on his shoulders because that script and yeah. and the I mean really the script because the story is the thing that's the most confusing and shitty but also like Sandra Bullock's acting choices are There's a lot going inexplicable. on here. I I really think that it's like it is so hard to buy Sandra Bullock as like a dorky dweeb. Well, it just doesn't work. I will argue that it's easy to buy her as a dork because Miss Congeniality and a few other movies have proven that she's good at being the klutzy, awkward yeah. kind of... She could play a social Agreed. outcast. I think playing really bookish and really yeah. nerdy is a little outside of where we're used to seeing her. And then it she does not play to her strength. She takes it to this other level, though. Where she is a person with, um, like a, like a disability, perhaps, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. it makes it so much worse that she's also really obnoxious because the whole time I'm like, I feel bad for that I'm right. that I'm feeling so kind of frustrated and like exasperated with her because it's like, oh well, but she's got something going on. That's making it like this. It's unfair of me to hate her this much. I was grappling yeah. with that. Yeah, I I feel like you could have chosen. I feel like there could have been actors that would have made this work, Ooh. right? Like, like young Diane Keaton would have made this work. Yeah, she would have played it yeah. just really quirky and um, smart and quirky, but not with this unhinged side that really makes you wonder if someone's about to get stabbed. Stab, stabby. Right, right. Oh, yeah. The, I <laughs> go on. I've got a thing in a second. No, I, I mean, I feel like it feels like a, a cheat to go with young Diane Keaton because it's like an actress of a different era. Yeah, there's got to be some like fucking Winona Ryder could have made this work, right? Like there are people that like you could you could buy them as a nerdy dweeb and they could say the garbage nonsense that the script makes her say without you wanting to strangle her. Like, it's it's just 
agonizing watching every every second that she's off the screen. I feel a palpable sense of relief. Here's that's part of why I like the Thomas Hayden Church stuff so much because she's just not in most of it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Those are the scenes she's not allowed in. Uh, Roger Ebert really hated this movie, and um, he obviously didn't know that she produced it or he would have understood the impetus for her being in it. But he said, "I'm fond of Sandra Bullock." But how does she choose her movies? If she does it herself, she needs an agent. If she has an agent, she needs to do it herself. <laughs> oh, man. God, what a national treasure he was. I know. Huh. Oh, just get, a good, angry Robert Ebert review. Roger Ebert review is, is chef's kiss. Yeah, no, he it was so back. pleasant. So, so you have clearly way more highlights than I have I have so many highlights what are what are your what are your highlights oh god and I want to compare them to my lowlights oh they might it might be a perfect like Venn diagram where it's just one big circle Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) just this movie is pure highlight it's just interesting it's just no I mean it's where the the overlap is so great between my highlights and your lowlights that it just is one solid circle we'll find Mm -hmm. out that's a possibility yeah Um, all right okay one of the things, it it bears, we got to talk about her boots. The thing about the wardrobe choices in this movie is that they are horrendous. And whoever mm-hmm. was in charge of it was either given uh, mescaline or they were just, they hated Sandra Bullock. Or, I mean, it was kind of written into the script, though, that she's wearing horrible clothing. She has these boots and they are vinyl red, like, disco boots. She never takes mm-hmm. them off. Everybody hates them. Her parents are verbally abusing her for wearing them. It's a sticking point with just about everyone she meets. And at the end of the movie, she says, she defends why she's wearing them. And she says, I wear these boots because they make my toes feel like 10 friends on a camping trip. Mm -hmm. What does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? That that might be my the last low. It's my second to last low. Oh my god! I watched it three uh, times in a row. Mary, why do you wear those stupid red boots all the time? You want to know why? Huh? Do you want to know why? Okay, I will tell you why. I wear them because they make my toes feel like ten friends on a camping trip. That's why I wear them. So funny. I don't know what the. F- I mean. All of the things that I love about this movie are terrible things about this movie. But that's, like, my entire life. Um, Also, (laughs) oh, so, like, the turning point for her character isn't something that she does or decision she makes or any type of character arc. It is the fact that she falls into a hole. So... Mm-hmm. There's a scene in between her like chasing a hurricane and then like the media coverage like van with Steve in it like also trying to like track down B-roll of a tornado because I guess that's what CNN reporters do track down B-roll of hurricane damage. Um, but then all of a sudden it switches gears and it's like we're in a different movie for a second and there's these moms and their little kids and they're running across this field towards like a county fair the kids are joyously running, and then all of a sudden, they're running in slow motion, and you get this wide, wide shot of this group of little kids running across a field, and then they are just sucked into the earth. And it is so <laughs> instant and so shocking that I, I couldn't help it. I was, 
I was very uh, jubilant when this happened. Yeah, it is. It is one of the few directorial choices in this movie that is flawless. It's very like funny. the the really like glowing, blissful imagery of those children running down to the carnival. Like the soft focus. It is, I mean, it's clearly leading you up for something because no other aspect of the movie is shot that way at all. No. And then, and then when those kids fall in the sinkhole, you're like, oh, okay. I knew something, like, either the carnival is going to explode or something, but the sinkhole was unexpected and very nice. It was just nicely done. Yeah. Uh, I would say there was a, there were a few things that were funny on purpose, um, Let's see. What was it? Oh, <laughs> I mean, the whole movie is technically supposed to be funny on purpose, I know. right? Like it is. It is a comedy movie. It is a comedy, and there were things about it that were really funny because what the fuck am I watching? And is this a movie? And then there were a few things mm-hmm. that were a little funny on purpose, like when she is stalking Steve and she said, "Ask and you shall receive." You know who said that? Jesus. And Bradley Cooper <laughs>, laughs nervously, and then he looks at her really seriously, and he goes. <laughs> Did Jesus ask you to come here? <laughs> like, That's... it was like, there were a few moments where I felt like they were playing off of her crazy in the right ways. And it was like kind of heading towards a, okay, are we going to like all get on board with laughing at this terrible character? Mm-hmm. In, in that same scene, uh, she presents him with a Twinkie, which he had used to fake opening a condom earlier. And he says, oh, yeah. oh, that's, sc- that's scary thoughtful, which that also worked for me. Yes. Like that, Bra- Bradley Cooper, like slowly discovering what she is, it, that, that whole thing did kind of like hit it. Yeah. It was one of the rare things that landed for me. He was doing that a good job. I don't Thomas think at any point yeah. I would fault Bradley Cooper's performance or how he played it. He did a good job. And he was funny to watch with his like little uh, frosted tips, just react bug-eyed to every scary thing that she did. He did receive a Razzie uh, for this. Yeah. Which I think is mostly by virtue of being in it. I think it was just by proxy, yeah. There, there, I mean, there are some weird Bradley Cooper choices, though, and I don't know how much can be ascribed to him versus just, like, the movie. Mm-hmm. But one of the first scenes when he's uh, he's driving away from... I don't remember which of the scenes it is. Yeah. He's just constantly driving away in a van to get away from her. Yeah. And he's just shirtless in the back for no reason. Yeah. Like, that, <clears throat> that, that's just completely asinine. There was like, just a little something for the ladies. There's just no context clues. I also, by the way, in terms of the ladies, I was, when I looked this up, I was certain that the screenwriter of this had to be a man in terms right? of the way that women talk <clears throat> about sex in this movie. and Like their 10-year-old boys. Like they're ten-year-old boys, yeah. like they've never heard of sex before, uh-huh. and and no, this is written by, as far as I can tell, a true corporeal human woman <laughs> named Kim Parker, yep. who wrote a different movie, not made up, not a not a fake person, not a pseudonym for something. This is a real person yeah. who wrote this real movie, and and said had women characters say things that just just don't land, like. Whistle instead of... I, I could use a little whistle, if you know what I'm saying, to a firefighter. <laughs> uh, telling children that I have had liaisons oh. to a room full of children. I actually like uh, that scene. I like the scene because then she turns to the teacher and the teacher just gives her a silent but very terse shake of the head like, nope, stop it, mm-hmm. stop it. Like, she knows where it's going. <laughs> there, there's, a, there's a scene... Uh, uh. There's 
early on, so throughout the movie, there the only use of black women in this movie is to talk about sex, uh, and uh, which is just uh, wholly objectionable. Uh, but they, the very like one of the first, maybe the first line of dialogue in this entire movie is her like. Uh, a black woman coworker who has n- no other lines, no other character, but does say, "If you want to seal the deal with a guy, you need a short skirt and sexy panties." Which, oh I, my god, why? Ha- I was just from the moment I was like, "Oh yeah," like a fifteen-year-old dude wrote this movie. Nope, human woman. It's and then that, so I, and then Sandra Bullock does proceed to do that exact thing. She sees Bradley Cooper. See, notices that he's hot, runs back upstairs, changes into a, a skirt, short skirt and like a, you know, a very revealing outfit and then basically comes down with the sole purpose of jumping his bones in the car outside her parents' house. So, It seems like you didn't write down the dialogue she said when she was doing that because yours truly did. Colin Powell <laughs> said there is no secret to success. Clearly, he doesn't understand the power of spectacular skivvies, which she says to her hamster, to whom she also says, Carol, who is the hamster, I could really use your support, and I don't mean with these, as she grabs her boobs, because this movie was (laughs) written by a 15-year-old boy and not a corporeal human woman. That's so funny. That's so true. There's so many moments in this movie where she, like, mutters little things to herself, like, heh heh, getting it on. And, like, I'm laughing at, like, if this was, like, a better character, it would be really funny that she's a horned-up 15-year-old boy because, like, that is entertaining, and that's also kind of my spirit animal is just being, like, a gross little 15-year-old boy making dick jokes because mm-hmm. what's better mm-hmm. than that? Mm-hmm. But also, mm-hmm. uh, it is really baffling that a woman wrote it. I didn't really think about that until I was looking over the cast, of, like, right before recording, and... <laughs> got really confused about who produced yep. it and who wrote words on a page to create it. The the number of times the word panty occurs in this movie is unconscionable. Oh god, I hadn't even thought of that. That is so upsetting. There I think there was something that uh Ken Jeong said, which is uh NNC has the scoop on everything but her panty size. Oh yeah, I do remember U- that. Useless. Just nonsense dialogue, just to have some person say panties again. Yep. Uh, okay, I'm. I got it. I'm. I, I I'm didn't getting myself mind all Ken Jeong in this movie. I, no, he's fine. His character was okay. He, everyone contained within the media van, is kind of in their own island of being like a not reprehensible character. Not great people by any like fair shake, but you know Ken Jeong. Bradley Cooper, Thomas Hayden Church are all pretty fun to watch on screen, and they're given mm-hmm. the they're given some like comedy lines that could land in a different movie. Yeah, they're given something to work with. Ken Jeong's angry monologue I thought it was actually pretty solid. I thought he <laughs> was I thought he was a shining star in this movie. He was playing yeah. also very against his last role, and he just got to play it straight. Yep. He tells Tom and Hayes, uh, Thomas Hayden Church to stop tanning because he looks like a cheese nip. Yep. He looks like an orange with lips, and he looks like a wrinkled peach, yeah. which are all very good. Yeah. And tells uh, Bradley Cooper he looks like a retired porn star. And those are just, those are solid. I think a lot of the media stuff really works. Like, mm-hmm. there was, there's a moment of, of Chiron. Uh, that's how it's pronounced. The, like, text at the bottom of the screen of the news. Oh, yeah. Where uh, Thomas Hayden, they're, like, pulling the deaf kids out of the the, the sinkhole. And Thomas Hayden Church says something about, like, these 
cherubs are being taken to safety. And just at the bottom, the Chiron says cherubs safe. <laughs> cherubs safe, which is just it super works. Like that's a they really were using... good media send up. It's just there is like there's a good. They were using those uh, as think... like a little punchline quite one... a few times. Mm-hmm. At uh, at another point, like another uh, broadcaster is talking about Cassandra Bullock has fallen in the uh, in the sinkhole. She's jumped in the sinkhole, and uh, this other newscaster is saying that she's freakishly uh, freakishly intelligent. Something they also use to describe Ted Kaczynski, which is just like there's a lot of the good media send up in this movie that like if you're using it as just a like broadcast media satire, it actually kind of lands. Mm-hmm. But if you're using it as a character portrait of this just like this horrible woman yeah. uh it, it it is it is absolutely unwatchable uh, and then we just stalker. have these movies shown to like just shoved together uh yeah there's another there's a Thomas Hayden Church line where he says uh, uh talking to the camera parents are left wondering is my backyard an abandoned mine just like that's great yeah uh it's Jason Jones as a, like opposing newscaster talking about walking a mile in Sandra Bullock's shoes, and then it's just yeah. like clips of him walking in Sandra Bullock's patent leather shoes. It's just a those, man those walking really across a field in like constricting shoes and falling on his face, and like all of that stuff felt like you're watching like sketch comedy and people just fooling around in a writer's room and coming up with silly shit, and it was fun to watch. And then there's like the main movie. Um, there's a scene, there's a scene Uh, at the beginning. Oh, it's when like, there's the three legged leg thing happening. And Thomas Hayden Church says, this is, I don't remember his character's name, but he says, this is so-and-so reporting from Oklahoma near the leg. Cause he doesn't know the town that he's in (laughs) and near the leg made me laugh. The father continues to rally support around the rogue leg. I'm quoting. If God didn't want my daughter to have a third leg, he wouldn't have stuck one between the other two. So for now, the fate of the precious child's third leg is in the hands of a judge. Hartman Hughes reporting from Oklahoma City near the leg and as always from the edge. Cut. <laughs> yeah, he really brings... So, so where, where do you land on the baby, baby Peggy third leg amputation story? <sighs> okay. It was confusing and i feel like Mm -hmm. pretty like that's pretty offensive right and then Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. and then there's inexplicably people on both sides just pro and anti saving the leg it was basically i i have to say i enjoyed that part of the movie because you get all these fringe characters and you get stupid shit like save the leg and I'm reporting near the leg. But it was also <laughs> <laughs> it was also like a chance for them to just like introduce these really hackneyed kind of like, oh, I felt so bad for the, the black couple that just had to pay this stereotypical black couple where all they say is like, you go get it, girl. And that's I it. was so mad about that. Like, come on. Although- like, that's a funny person. And they gave her, like, a little bit of dialogue where she describes for some reason that she had a penis and, like... She had a vestigial penis. This movie can rot in hell. <laughs> it was, it was like, did they give her that dialogue? Did she just ad-lib some weird shit and that was the worst take? Like, she seemed really funny and then they, they basically gave her just bullshit to work with. I'm like, oh, God, come on. Yep. Uh, 
it does feature Thomas Hayden Church also saying uh, the father continues to rally support around the rogue leg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I kind of liked this part of the movie, and I feel bad that I did, but I did. It it grew it grew on me. Yeah. It it did honestly grow on me. Uh, I I did ha- the, when it appeared. What I wrote was the baby Peggy third leg amputation story. No, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, but it it's bad. It's once bad. You, but... Once you get into the pro third leg uh, protest camp, it does. There's something about it that kind of warms me up. Uh, I part of it is the DJ Qualls. Who's Who, just cute little face. And his character, where he said he used to be a physicist, but he stopped doing that uh-huh. because it wasn't bringing him any joy. And so now his entire job is creating apple faces. You know that thing you do where you like yes. carve an apple and then you mm-hmm. let it wither and it turns into a little face? He makes a Clay Aiken one. He made, the Clay Aiken one's solid. Uh, the, <laughs> I, I liked the when they, in, they introduce it with Mother Teresa, and it does look like Mother Teresa. That's true. But as you sort of move further on, it gets less and less. Apple Clay Aiken, I wrote down as a highlight. I think that's pretty funny. I thought it was um, funny. If you made yeah. a movie out of only the side characters... There's a lot to, like, enjoy about it, I think, because there's a lot of just, like, random bullshit, and that's fun. Yeah. Yeah, there is. There is. There is. Uh, did you did you catch her name, like, her full name, the main character, Sandra Bullock's character's full name? Oh, Mary Horowitz. No, uh, Mary Magdalene Horowitz. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? <laughs> what? <laughs> no. What? She introduces herself to the trucker. Uh, as Mary Magdalene Horowitz. No, which why? is just, why would your parents but name why? your child Mary Magdalene? Well, because everyone's hated her since she was born, and they gave her a hateful name. They just made her life terrible from day one. Yeah, it's, I just, I just can't. There's so many decisions in this movie that are just completely unacceptable. Uh um, there's a scene where Bradley Cooper is arguing with Ken Jong about how crazy she is, and Ken Jong's trying to convince him that no, no, she's fine. And he says, she's going to make me eat my legs. And I wrote down, mm-hmm. correct. And then the next line is, Mary's not a psycho, you're the psycho. She's just a smart girl in red boots. That is like the thesis for this whole movie. Yep. And it's and, untrue. And at some point... Yeah, at some point, the movie decides that she's okay. She's not okay. She's unacceptable. I'm mostly mad at this movie from, for dreaming this character for, up from non-existence. She didn't exist before this movie was made. Once, there was nothing. Once, where there, like, this Mary Magdalene Hurwitz did not exist. And then a writer, in a, in a peak of horrible passion, dreamed this garbage monster out of nothing there could have been no movie here there could have been no character here it would have been fine we were all going about just fine without it I have a huge she didn't have to exist is what i'm saying face. i have a huge smile on my face because guess what henry i loved it i loved it so much suck <laughs> <laughs> it i loved it i thought it was so fun i did less than you did Dude, this movie <laughs> rules. Everything about it is the worst. It has a crazy plot. It has so many good actors just punishing themselves and embarrassing themselves. It hurls a bunch of like terrible dialogue into like the mouths of just innocent men and women. It's 
it makes a bunch of kids fall down a mine shaft, and then it just keeps them there for a while. And then it hurls a, a woman down a mine shaft, and that's like the redeeming quality that she has is that she's been inside of a hole. This movie is dog shit, and I yep. love it so uh, much. <laughs> I I like I kind of get the appeal of the movie. Yeah, I just but you know like after the first hour. It's a tolerable movie. They, like, dial her down a little bit, uh, and it's enough that I can, like, handle sitting in the same room as her. Yeah. Let's talk about the kids in the sinkhole for a second, especially the last kid, uh, because she falls down a well, or down the sinkhole. Yeah. And when she's down there, she discovers that there's another child. There's a, there's a, a, a final child in the sinkhole. Yes. Which comes with a couple things. One, other children were down there, have been brought out and are clearly standing with their parents. This means that none of those children mentioned that one of their classmates was still down there. Just gone. Gone in the hole. The second, the, multiple times, they describe her as an unidentified little girl. <laughs> Nobody knows this child's name. <laughs> She's got no parents. She has no best friends. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Like, so her teachers up. were there. How does nobody know her name? There are so many adults present so many adults. chaperoning these kids. How is she an unidentified kid? And it's always deaf kid. It can't be kids. Unidentified deaf kid. Mary sends kid. up a little note that says, uh, in case you're missing, uh, there's a little deaf girl down here. She's fine. Except for the fact that she's deaf. Yep. Just totally, just totally Got her. unnecessary. Got her. Zing. Uh, uh, so I have some, I, that was one of my questions about this movie is how nobody knows the, the, the little girl's name. Uh, the second is the like, at the end, all of the people from the like the three-legged baby protests are suddenly have moved from Oklahoma to Colorado. Yes. In the course of like Two a days? day. Yeah. Max. Uh, I kind of think they feel like less. So, like, who are these media spectacle chasers who are able to, like, move from state to state on, like, a moment's notice? I, who are these people? Where do they come from? And, and like, uh, and, like, some of them are moving... Okay, they're crossing so much territory in a van. Uh, no one has access to planes. Also, aren't, like, the people from the pro-leg camp, like... They're, I forget the model of car that they're roving through the country with, but it's something on gremlin. par with a... What is it? Oh, it's a gremlin. It's a gremlin. It's a gremlin. That thing makes it from one end of the country to the other. It makes it over the Rockies, perhaps? No, because they Is that never, right? No, do they ever leave... No, they They're they going from Oklahoma to Galveston. That's not that far. Okay. They don't leave Colorado. But, dude, that thing is hauling ass. I'm impressed yeah. with the gremlin. There's so much driving in this movie. I wonder, I guess they were kind of probably like uh, assuming that it would also be a fun road trip movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's something. I, I do want to know more about DJ Qualls and the woman whose name I don't know. Uh, Katie Because Nixon. they. I looked her up. Yep. yep. Because she looks familiar. Is she in something she, else? She was the woman from Eastbound and Down. She's, gotcha. She's uh, Kenny Powers' love interest. Gotcha. 
Uh, well, you know, I refuse to watch anything with that guy, with Danny McBride in it, so uh, I would never know. Uh, I just, I, I, also, I find him so obnoxious. The, <laughs> they spend, they spend like days in a car with her and come away liking her, which makes me wonder who these people are. Like, who hurt them? Oh, I, yeah. They're big time broken. They're super broken. <laughs> Shit's going on. Well, like, you've got a guy who used to be a physicist, and now what he mm-hmm. does is whittle away at tiny apples and put wigs on them. So, like, something's mm-hmm. up. These are her people right. now. They also introduce him with a fedora, which is like, I was just, a, I, was, I was ready for him to be something bad. Mm-hmm. Because there's, you don't introduce a man in the 2000s with a fedora without him, like, cu- chopping somebody up at some point in the movie. Uh, I th- turns out, just kind of a good, sweet boy. I think that whoever was in charge of costume design fell asleep at the wheel. Because you have to watch mm-hmm. Sandra Bullock wear like a crazy paisley skirt and a mismatched tie-dye shirt and fucking red disco boots for the entire movie, which is a punishment for your eyeballs. So, like, <laughs> I don't even think they knew what was going on with the fedora when they put it on DJ Qual's head. I think it was just like, I found a hat. Goes on his body, clocking out for the day, and <laughs> going home early. I don't know. Like, all the decisions are baffling when it comes to costume and hair. But I was having fun with it. Cause they do give DJ Qualls a good... And it looks like it was made in 1998. I just don't know. Yeah. I, uh, they give DJ Qualls a good... One good, like... They give him some very bad lines, but they do give him one good line... Which is barely a line, but Sandra Bullock, what, his first moment on screen, Sandra Bullock says, how do you do? And he responds with, I'm not quite sure what you mean. Yeah. Which is just just such a good way to forecast that a character is dumb as bricks. Yeah. Uh, it's, then he has, the, there's like a couple of, like, I think they're supposed to be heartfelt moments. And they're basically all with either DJ Qualls or Sandra Bullock. There's one where they're like talking about, life through the lens of crosswords in this like blown out post cicada tornado desert and <laughs> cicada it's, it's, tornado. Ju- it's just like this vapid nonsense and then at the end dj qualls is like chewing out thomas hayden church and he says this is just a fence being on the other side of this doesn't make you any better like that doesn't make any sense what that doesn't make what? any sense <laughs> Why did you put any of this in this movie oh my god yeah Bug Tornado, though, would have been a cool name for this movie and a cool different movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would take that movie. I would take Thomas Hayden Church chasing a bug tornado from state to state. That would work for me. Um, okay. How do you think this movie would have gone down if, like, the genders were reversed and if Bradley Cooper was played by a woman and Sandra Bullock's character was played by a man? How fucking scary would that movie be? Oh my god! Yeah, just that's like a, a man movie. relentlessly pursuing a woman in a van, trying to get away. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, they must have made that movie as like, actually, maybe like a Sandra Bullock kills her her stalker movie. Doesn't she have one of those? Huh? Does she? I think she does. Really? I think she does. Yeah. I believe it. She likes to be in a thriller or two. Oh, my God. It would be such a fucked up movie. And they're really banking on the fact that she's adorable 
and lovable because she's got this like uh you know library of rom-coms in her you know in her past and now this is just another cute one for the books oh my god well i can tell you don't don't uh don't don't google sandra bullock stalker uh because that's uh, there's nothing good to be found there. Nothing good at all, folks. Nope, nope, Uh-oh. nope, nope. What? Let's just uh, let's just reverse. Uh, put this in the old R and back away from what I just found. Oh, uh, not great. God. Well, obviously, I'm gonna Google it. If you don't tell me what <laughs> brand of bad it is, tell me how bad it is. <laughs> I mean, there's. It just has some dead stalkers. Is all. Just some just some stalkers who died. Oh, <laughs> uh, fuck. In what seems like bad ways. Ooh. Uh, oh no. That's dark. Yeah. So, uh, welcome to our comedy podcast where we talk about <laughs> Sandra Bullock's Dead Stalkers. Just what you needed in the middle of a pandemic. Um, on a bright note, mm-hmm. she accepted her Razzie Award and she did it in a very fun way. I don't know if you watched her acceptance speech or not, but I was a no. big fan. I went oh, into this movie. Okay. Absolutely so, ice cold. I knew nothing about it going into it. It it kind of swept Didn't the watch Razzies the trailer, that year. Nothing. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Okay, so it sweeps the Razzies in 2010, and then she accepts her award for worst actor in a movie. She goes up to accept her uh, her award, and she brings a little red wagon on stage with her that's just full to the brim with DVDs to pass out to every member of the audience. And she she gives this really funny speech where it's like false indignant, like pretending to be really uh, indignant that she was nominated for something where she deserved more credit. And like, it's very tongue in cheek and cute. And she goes, I didn't realize that all you had to do to win an award is show up. I think you guys all just voted for me because you knew I would show up. If I had known <laughs> that, I would have shown up to the Oscars way sooner. The very next day she won an Oscar, like... She, like, goes to bed, wakes up, puts on a gown, and wins an Oscar 24 hours later. So that was pretty funny. But then she does this, like, whole elaborate thing where she says, like, I don't think any of you actually watched the movie. I noticed that Bradley Cooper and I were nominated for Best Couple. I'm not sure if you know this because you haven't seen it with your (laughs) eyeballs, but I play a stalker who pursues a man across a country. That is not the makings for a good romantic couple. (laughs) (laughs) And then she makes fun of her cast and coworkers. And it's, it's just kind of like, it's a good speech. She's having fun up there and she's considering she was a producer. I was proud of her for just owning how bad it was, but yeah, that is pretty good. At least she came Uh, around. I, so on the trivia page for IMDb, uh, this the screenplay of, you familiar, you're familiar with the blacklist right yeah the like the most liked unmade scripts of the year uh-huh uh this was on the 2006 blacklist i know people Isn't that weird people read and liked this script who how she when she brought out all of those dvd copies and says that there's one for everyone in the audience first the audience cheers and she's like you say that now. And then she said, if you guys don't actually go home and watch this movie, because I want you to at least be sure that I was the correct choice. The alternative is that I could go through line by line and read, I brought the working script and she busted out and like has a little binder at the, at the lectern. And she's like, I will go through and I will read each line the way I read it. And then you can all line direct me 
and explain how I could have done it better. <laughs> we can do this until four in the morning, unless, of course, you'd like to take this movie home and decide if you made the right decision. <laughs> that's really good. That's it really was good. fun. That, that's 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 likable. I like that. That's great. Respect for for Sandy Bullock because at least you know you make a bad movie, you gotta own it. And yeah, take, no, take that's... your ego down a notch. Uh. Both so both her and Halle Berry like accepted the Razzies live, right? Yeah, they're the only two actresses to ever gra- to ever accept them live. Halle Berry was the first one, so I think that she was following in those footsteps. But that's respect. That's Fuck respect. yeah, more of that. Yeah. I so uh, yeah. What's that? If you were a character in this movie, well, would you? Yeah. I, I feel like the obvious choice would be Thomas Hayden Church's character, but I'm going to go with the little deaf girl in the hole because she doesn't have to hear Sandra Bullock she, talk. Because she can't hear Sandra Bullock talk. That's such a good She call. even signs at the end of the movie, she even says in sign language, you talk too much, which I guess Sandra Bullock can understand because the entire time she speaks ASL and just refused to speak it to this little girl stuck in a mine shaft. She does say this, that she can understand it, but she can't speak. Oh, okay. Got it. She's, she's a horrible person, but I'll defend her on this point. <laughs> okay. Fair is fair. Uh, I pick the little girl. Who do yeah, you pick? It feels, unf- it feels unfair to, uh, to say Thomas Hayden Church because he is far and away the, uh, the best part of this movie. Yes. So I think I, think I have to go... Ken Jeong. Yeah. I think Ken Jeong's like the, he's the unsung hero. Yeah. He's making it work behind the scenes. He has everybody's number down pat. Like you just, you trust him, you know him, he delivers. And you know what? He doesn't seem that close to any of the horrible characters. So I'd say hats off to the Ken Jeong character. He's outside the movie. Yeah. Yeah. He's, and his character's fine. No one gave him anything shitty to work with really. So he's like. Totally fine. He walks, he walks away clean. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I respect it. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like I've come on too hot on this movie. And I, <laughs> I, did, I did hate it. But I'm, I'm not mad at you for picking it. It was a great movie for this purpose. I am very it's... pleased with myself. And I feel no remorse. <laughs> <laughs> because if I'm going to grub around in a hole, which is this movie, I'm going to need some friends down there to keep me company. So get on down here in the little mine oh, shaft for sure, of for sure. All About Steve. Yeah, but I'll, I'll... Oh, God. Yep. Okay. And I did force the two and a half hour long swarm on us. So uh, I was I was owed this, I think. Uh <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we'll be back in a couple weeks' time for another another stinker starring a great. Oh, hell uh, yeah. And <laughs> until then, uh, I'll be Henry. I'll continue to be Michelle. And experiment and fast forward into the future of acting. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, look.